0: You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Indians fans, and welcome to the Thursday edition of Locked On Indians. Uh, I promised a little bit more prospect talk. Guys who did not make the cut on the last two shows, mostly due to time. Uh, one of those, to, and it's of course going to be more pitchers. I um, kind of went through the, the main bat types that uh, I think have... I mean, there's other players I do like in System. I did kind of laundry list it a bit at the end there. But I think we, we covered the hitters pretty well. It, the pitchers, though, because of the overall depth, there's still a lot of names to talk about. There's still a lot of uh, players you could look at and could conceivably be, you know, top 10 guys for certain people. I think the first guy I have to mention was the last player I had written down. I had a little written down list for all of this as I was going through. And when I was originally making the pen, this is a player I immediately slotted in to one of those pens... Pen slots, and that is Lenny Torres. Lenny Torres was taken with the third of three first-round picks, basically. The Indians had um, Bo Naylor, Ethan Hankins, and then Lenny Torres to the Indians. Have super quick arm, very young for the class, two-pitch guy. Hope for more. A lot of violence in that delivery, and of course, he needed Tommy John surgery. He's still a two-pitch guy, still a high risk of injury there. Some people love him to absolute death. There are people who have Lenny Torres as, like, a top-ten prospect still, and you understand why. It's like the fastball could be a 70-grade pitch. The slider could be a 60-grade pitch. Do you need more? Um, yeah. I mean, to me, yes. Uh, but I, I think as a, you know, you add in the fact that he's listed at one, and that might be generous. 190 feels a little generous, too. He's never, like, the biggest guy. I think he's supremely talented and he could be another class a or karen chalk type of uh, relief weapon i think there's a lot of value in that I, I do not project him as a starter but i still think he's a top 15 to 20 prospect just based on what he could be as a reliever like i'd I still have him higher than someone like henkis or moss or carlos vargas um some of those other players you might hear about a uh, bobby bradley some of the the players that are kind of higher other places i mentioned tanner burns Until he can show me that he can hold up as a starter, I still see a reliever profile. Now, he hasn't had the opportunity to do that uh, because of the way the world's been, but uh, he's another guy I just kind of slotted as a potential reliever. And then there's just, you know, there's the litany of lower arms in middle infielders that we didn't really talk about. But uh, if you listen to the podcast, you know I am just not big on guys who have not at least reached high A. That's just, it takes a lot for me to really get heavily invested before that point because the flameout rate is just so high in the lower minors. Should we talk about the best news of the day uh, if you're an Indians fan is the uh, Chicago White Sox flaming out. Uh, this is kind of unbelievable. Rick Hahn has done a fantastic job of rebuilding that team and it sounds like not only is Rick Hahn probably going to get fired tomorrow but they're going to hire Tony La Russa. Uh, and that it may not even be Han like getting fired. He might, maybe he's leaving. I'm not sure the specifics, but it seems very clear that, uh, they decided, and by they, Jerry Reinsdorf, White Sox ownership, decided he wanted to hire Tony La Russa. You know, he's got a big name. Uh, he has not been an effective or particularly good manager his last few times. He's been given an opportunity. Um, majority of success, you know, was many, many years ago and, uh, you know that's not even getting into some of the issues that like when he was a gm in st louis he had multiple duis um i remember st louis had a pitcher die because of a dui so it's just it yeah maybe you you forgive me you forget but there's also like stuff like that nothing gets forgotten in sports and when you're a public figure nothing ever gets forgotten um there's some baggage with Tony La Russa and again it just on a very basic level he's just not been effective Uh, when was the last time he was a led a team to success I mean he managed the uh, Cardinals through 2011 and yes he did win the World Series that year and he won in 2006 before he retired but those are more about the talent on the team than the manager um It seems... It's an odd hire. I mean, he hasn't managed since 2011. You're going to go out and get him. Um, I don't get that. And especially if it's going to cost you the GM who, like, built that team. Uh, He is the guy who put it all together. And you're cutting him off at the knees, as it were. Um, And you're making it impossible for him to do his job. (laughs) And, you know, he could win executive of the year and be out because he's not going to get to pick his own manager that is crazy Um, it is odd and hey if you're an Indians fan it's great news because the White Sox look like they are not going to be as good next year and if their GM leaves and you like if Rick Hahn leaves uh, Cardinals and Phillies have to be like speed dialing wouldn't you want that guy in charge after how things have gone where is his you know where is he messed up His trades have worked out well. The players have developed. The drafts have given them additional talent that has helped them uh, turn into a team that made the playoffs this year. Uh, Yeah, I think he'd be one of the most uh, hotly chased candidates for any GM position. So, yeah, Indians fans, hey. I know I'm saying so yeah a lot, but it just comes down to it. Good news if you're an Indians fan. The White Sox are getting appreciably worse in terms of... uh, who is collecting and managing talent for them. And again, just look at his trade record. We'll talk about Adam Eaton in a bit. I mean, he's an Ohio guy who just got basically cut today. But that Eaton deal was just, I mean, that trade, Giolito, Dunning, Lopez, that was fantastic. You look at what the sale trade did. You look at the maneuvers and what he has done, the Quintana deal. It's, It's all been good. Rick Hahn has done a fantastic job. And the fact that he got them in the playoffs after that long, long hiatus and now may not even maybe somewhere else. And he he will not, let's put it this way, if he ends up without a job, he's not sitting on the sideline long. um, I would expect him within a month to be announced. And that's not just because, you know, you expect all those positions to be filled before the winter meetings, but I expect him to be a very quick hire for some team. And the reason is simple. He makes smart decisions. And a smart decision for you would be to use rockauto.com when you need a part or piece for your car. They are in one central site, a family-owned loca- family business, and by cutting down the overhead of having multiple shops all over the place, they are able to pass those savings on to you, the consumer. And remember, when you go to rockauto.com in the How'd You Hear About Us box, say Locked On, Locked On Indians, Locked On MLB. Just say some form of Locked On, and you owe it to yourself. Don't just assume that the guy at the auto body shop at the the little shop that's selling you parts and pieces has your best interest in mind, double check. Use Rock Auto as a reference point to make sure you are getting the right piece and the right value for your car. Uh, When they're looking online, they're not using the whole wide search, they are using what they have. So make sure that you use Rock Auto as a resource to ensure that you are getting the best deal possible on all the parts and pieces for your car. I know nothing about cars and I can navigate the website to find information that I need. Make sure you do the same. That's rockouter.com, and in the How Did You Hear About Us box, locked on. So before the break, I teased a bit. Let's talk about, I had uh, Andy, and I got his last name correct. So uh, I'm, like, nervous to say it again because I feel like I'll mess it up. Like, the other day when I was talking about Aaron Brocko, Brocko, which I still don't think I'm saying right, I literally listened to how it was pronounced four times before I did the podcast and still messed it up. I can't put, uh, it's the ADD dyslexic thing, I'll be honest, I, I teach uh, LLI with students now, and it's it's hell, to be honest, because I can't, uh, differentiating sounds, stuff like that, it just never clicked for me, and never, I didn't get the education young enough, so every word I know is a sight word, I can't uh, work through and sound things out, which I know is odd when you then end up teaching it, but that's part of my problem with pronunciation now, it's like I can't uh, keep the sound uh, until I repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. But uh, Andy, I'm not gonna say your last name because I don't. I got it right last time, and I don't want to risk butchering it. But at uh, DBCISE asked, uh, with all the players being released and bought out, do any of them make sense for the Cleveland for Cleveland to take a flyer on? Are there any one-year pillow deals in our future? Uh, I think there are one-year pillow deals in our future. I think there are probably many of them. Uh, I think Carlos Santana, honestly, could be one of those guys coming back. Uh, colton wong i don't know if you can get him on a one-year pillow deal but he was a guy a little bit surprising but i mean we want to talk about what the market's going to look like uh he had a 12.5 million dollar option that the cardinals did not pick up and it cost him one million to buy him out so that's 11.5 uh you wonder what the market will be for someone like cesar hernandez now colton wong this past year did see a drop in his offensive value he is uh turning he turned 30 uh this month. He turned 30 in October, so he is on the wrong side of the aging curve for a middle infielder. But what is interesting is, over the years, he's been a bit of an up-and-down player. Uh, His, you know, 2014, uh, 680 OPS, 2015, 707, then down to 682 in 2016, 2017, 788, then down to 720, then up to 784, then down to 675. So actually, good to bet on him in 2021 he's been better in those odd uh, seasons I don't know you know if he's going to be cheaper than a Cesar Hernandez if he's going to be more what I do know is adding him in makes that market uh, a little bit uh, it it hurts the market for the second baseman because there's more players in it Uh, Wong last year 265 350 326 675 OPS and 87 OPS plus a lot of his di- war value on baseball reference came from the defense. Uh, it, I'll be curious to see if he goes back to the Cardinals. If the Cardinals... Because um, the other thing is, you know, we talked about a Cardinals-Lindor deal. This opens the door more for such a deal. Uh, because, they're, yes, they have to pay Paul DeJong. And when you look at a lot of places, he has like a negative value right now. Uh, in terms of what he could trade, and the Indians would not, I do not think, want his contract. But now the Cardinals have second base open, so if you move DeJong over and you put Lindor at short, uh, yeah. And remember, you know, a few years ago the Cardinals traded for uh, Marcelo Zuna when he was nearing uh, free agency. They've, they've taken that risk in the past, so we'll see how it plays out. Right now their second baseman is going to be listed as Tommy Edmund. and... Uh, their third baseman then becomes Matt Carpenter, because we're assuming no DHs. Um, and Carpenter, man, he can't really handle the position, and the offense isn't there anymore. That is not ideal. Um, you know, his his peak days are behind him. I was a huge Carpenter fan. He was one of those guys when he was in the minors. I wanted the Indians to trade for him. I thought he was so undervalued. Uh, never a top prospect. I don't think once. I don't even know if he's ever a top ten prospect coming through the minors. With the cardinals but he was something else and then from 2012 really through 2018 he was one of the best uh, offensive players in baseball he just he debuted kind of late he was one of those guys that took a while for you know to get a chance he's 34 years of age and you know let's see 30 age 33 age 32 was his last kind of big year and uh, it's more of a traditional aging curve as well so yeah, the Cardinals. Let's just say I think there's there's more room than ever for a deal, um, and we we talked about that already on the podcast. Uh, they're an interesting team with some interesting pieces, and the Colton One news is interesting for that. Uh, he, you know, I was going through all the names of uh, that were not picked up in terms of the, uh, recently, and it's, it's a lot more of, I would say names than like, you know, Sergio Romo, I don't see that happening. Uh, the other, you know, the, the Mets, uh, it was like, uh, Fraser Frazier, Ramos, it was not, not the most interesting of groups, Robinson, Chirinos, uh, Nationals. It's kind of weird to see them release Howie Kendrick just a year after. You know, he was heroics, and this guy they had to re-sign. Eric Thames, you know, he's older, so a down year there with him having no position scares me incredibly. The Diamondbacks was three pitchers, including former Indian Hector Rondone. And then, you know, Daniel Murphy gets is entering free agency, but he wasn't good the previous year for uh, Colorado. And Colorado, you know, is a great environment for any hitter. D DeStra- Strange, D Strange Gordon. It's been a while since he's been effective, so. But he also adds another second baseman to a crowded second baseman market. But there were two names that really stood out for me in this grouping. One, uh, we have to talk about Corey Kluber. Yes, Corey Kluber was that go. Does he have anything left? I don't know. But if you were Corey Kluber, you know, would you look to stay in Texas, to maybe try to get everything back? Um, I mean, it is where he's from, so it's possible. Or do you see if maybe Cleveland, where they help break out? You know, they where you broke out as one of the best pitchers in the game, where you they know you as well as anyone, and where they're very good at developing pitching in general. that might be the place to go. I would not be shocked to see Cooper return on a cheap contract, um, because you know they know him, and it's where he has success, and there's people he knows. And I think uh, it could make a lot of sense in a one-year type of pillow deal with with Kluber. Uh, Especially because, I mean, what happens if the Indians brought back Kluber, not as a starter, but specifically after all these injuries and him just, basically, it's been, you know, two years since he was uh, an everyday pitcher. He can't, to expect him to go out and be an everyday pitcher in 2021 is unlikely what happens if you're the Indians and you give him that kind of bridge contract and you just make him a reliever with what he has shown in the past. Uh, could his stuff play up? Could it play closer where it has been in the past? Maybe it's something to consider. And that's where I think Kluber makes a lot of sense, uh, as a player. And then the other player with Ohio ties, you have to talk about is Adam Eaton. And I mentioned that trade kind of teased. I was going to talk about him before the break, five foot nine outfielder, uh, Springfield Ohio 19th round pick out of Miami University you know went to Kenton Ridge High School in Springfield o- <coughs> Ohio pardon me on the cough there and he was not good this past year like there's no no other way to put it he wasn't good defensively he wasn't good offensively um I went and decided to look up his so first I went and I looked at something like his his hip had a like a 60 point change the year before he was extremely lucky this year he's extremely unlucky but I guess the bigger issue for me beyond that was when I went and looked at his 2020 percentile ranks it's like exit velocity's low hard hit barrel like he where he was good is he was hard to strike out he still had a good sprint speed and he had a good jump but his outs above average were very low so even though he could get a good jump and he could get after the ball he's I just I, you would think those two should make him good, but he was a pretty terrible defender with the advanced metrics. If we go back one year, 2019, I mean, those offensive metrics were all still pretty low. But the outs above average was actually, you know, above average. Um, it's a limited profile. Let's just be honest. It's been a while since he was, you know, 2018, uh, he had some, his expected batting average was at least high. But he's always a guy who's had low exit velocity. He's not a big guy. He doesn't hit the ball hard. He's a dink and dunk player. And if you get unlucky, which is a lot easier to occur when you're dink and dunk, um, that can come back to haunt you. He, again, is an Ohio person. And the Indians have a huge need in the outfield. He is a left-handed bat, which means that he is an easy platoon with Jordan Luplow. if you decide to let go of someone like Tyler Naquin. And after the year that Eden had, there's a chance you could get him at league minimum. Whereas Naquin's going to cost probably close to, what, $2 million this year? Maybe a little less than $2 million. And I think there is a world where you see if he's willing to take that smaller contract. And you set him up as a vet to... Like, we're going to put you in a position to succeed. You're going to be a platoon player, a one year deal, and if uh, you play well, you're going to play yourself out of here. Um, there's just. I don't think there'll be a huge market because of the performance, the age. He is uh, going to be 32, I believe, before next season. He's undersized. Um, you know, and there were always, even when he was at his peak, there were detractors. One of his great values when he got traded by the White Sox was his contract and now that's not being picked up there were still 2 years left and uh you know that that says speaks to where he is as a player you're hoping that uh, while well, he hit 226 this year his bat pip was at 260 you know, he's a fast guy career bat pip over his major league career is at 330 um, last year was at 319 so it is declined last 2 years he's getting into his 30s which is natural but even if he raised that like 30 or 40 points, I mean 40 points is big, what am I saying, even, but if he uh, you know, it's 70 points below his career normal, so if we say he raises it 40 points, 40 points his batting average takes him up to 266 40 more points onto his OPS would, you know, put him at a a 7 God, why am I struggling with math, it's 40 points, it'd be a 739, man Ellis Uh, which would be still better than most of what the Indians did in the outfield a year ago so, yeah, I think there's uh, Adam Eaton Corey Kluber. Those are two of those guys who make sense with their ties to the Indians. And uh, just oh, not well, Eaton doesn't have ties to the Indians. He has ties to Ohio, and Kluber's ties to the Indians are, you know, uh, extremely well-known. One more thing. Let's talk about some transactions that got made by the Indians. With the World Series officially being over, that means Cesar Hernandez, Sandy Leone, and Oliver Perez are all free agents. That takes the Indians' 40-man to 37 players. Uh, Gabriel Arias, Nolan Jones, and Eli Morgan easily take it back up to 40, and that's not counting, you know, adding someone like Jeffrey Rodriguez, who is currently on the 60-man disabled list. So, but there's going to be more players, you know, both saying, I, I, was, I was looking at a Justin Lada tweet today about who he thinks, the thinking the Indians won't pick up hardly any options, and it struck me that there is a better chance that the Indians would pick up Domingo Santana's option right now than Carlos Santana's option. I mean, neither are going to happen, <laughs> but I think if they had to, like if if they were told you have to pick up an option on a Santana just because of cost, it would be Domingo and not Carlos. That's, that's kind of an odd thing to, to think about, but it really hit me today. Um, I do think Oliver Perez, side note, could easily come back, and they do seem to really like Sandy Leon. So he could be—I mean, all three of these guys could conceivably come back. I do think Cesar Hernandez likely uh, gets a bigger contract somewhere else, and I think he is at a point—he doesn't—you know, he had a good year here, but he doesn't have any tie here, and he's entering a point in his life where I don't blame him. He should be completely mercenary, and I don't think the Indians will offer the biggest deal. The other bit of information today was that the Indians released a whole bunch of minor league players, Um should I do the count here on air? That's going to be nice and boring. 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 15 players. Uh, you know, there's some names on here, some players I've, I've rooted for, followed throughout the years, but there is certainly one name that stood out to me amongst all the others, and that is Luke Wakamatsu. He was a, a pretty big signing by the Indians back in the day, and to, to make this, you know, maybe worse for some people, I remember that it, you know, the Indians had a choice to make when he was drafted. He was kind of a surprise guy. Like he was a top 200 prospect that they got on day three of the draft. Um, I don't think anyone expected them to be able to sign him at first. He was one of those guys. Like, okay, so he is definitely going to college, and we all assumed that it was going to be another young shortstop would be the one that they would sign that year in the draft and instead they were able to sign luke wakamatsu and that was one of the steals of the draft honestly at the time 20th round pick in 2015 they went over slot to get him the player that most of us thought they were going to sign uh that year uh sorry i got distracted i clicked on the wrong thing was so the player we thought they were going to sign just to uh, come back around to this was um nick magical and then because wakamatsu uh, was apparently up for signing the indians gave him two hundred ninety thousand, and not insignificant amount of money to sign uh as the 604th overall player and he signed um never really progressed along in the minors uh clearly a mistake for the cleveland indians the reason i got distracted a moment ago is i meant to click on the cleveland indians 2015 draft. Instead, I clicked on the 20th round of the 2015 draft, uh, which was then entertaining because Phil Mayton was the 12th uh, round pick, the the 12th overall pick in the 20th round, so seven picks before Wakamatsu. So it was just interesting. I was like, wait, the Indians didn't draft Mayton. Oh, I clicked on the wrong thing. Madrigal, if you're curious, was the 17th round pick. Uh, That is the Brady Aiken, Tristan McKenzie, Juan Hillman draft. Mark Matthias, oh man, good for him. He must have gotten some time with the Brewers this year after they traded him away. Tyler Krieger, Kaye Tom, uh, Nathan Luke's did turn into Brandon Geyer, so some value there. Um, Justin Garza, I still think could maybe see some time as a reliever. Jonas Wyatt, arm troubles, just a shame. Uh, a pair of senior signs that was on the last time they really took some budget senior signs in a draft with uh, Stewart and Strode in the ninth and tenth round and then your day three picks uh you know wakamatsu got two hundred ninety thousand i was a big matt esparza fan he and when he was in college all four years he had a new pitching coach and a new manager i think and he was really tearing up high a and low a and he got the double a and just stalled out daniel salters was already older and he chose to retire um very good defender moved quickly through the system he could have played like 15 years in the minors if he wanted. Is just because of his defensive ability and you know all the intangible stuff. And then uh, Ryan Perez in the 12th round always sticks out to me because he was a switch pitcher. And I wrote one of my more negative profiles on him. Uh, I when I first got the job at the Scout and I, I thought he was an interesting story and I just kind of dove into the numbers and judson university is not a baseball hotbed he was not facing high level competition and he was not performing uh he was a a left-handed pitcher really uh who could throw from the right side but couldn't get people out at a low level and then also another interesting one is chandler newman who the indians failed to sign out of the 11th round and that almost never happens they traditionally sign that 11th round player that is a targeted player for them He would end up going in the 11th round in 2017 to the Padres. You just have to laugh more from the fact that Padres to Padres, uh, or Padres to Padres, 11th round to 11th round is what I meant to say. It's late. It's nearly midnight my time, nearly 1 in the morning Cleveland time. Uh, Sam Haggerty was another guy the Indians drafted who was made to the majors in this draft. From this draft, if you remember, he was kind of the centerpiece in the uh, Kevin Plowiecki deal. Uh, just a lot of interesting names. Tristan English, Braden Webb, Lucas uh, Humphall, Andrew Cabasis, Garrett Wolfworth. These are all names of players who've been redrafted by other teams since the, the Indians took them. Oh, Christian Meester. He was a really interesting guy who had, didn't, you know, there was no announced college with him. And I remember that was a, a very intriguing thing for me they be like, what's going on? Who is this guy? Uh, went from Cleveland to Milwaukee. Good stuff. Uh, good player. I don't remember the exact story, but that was a name. That was fun. But even someone like, going through here, Chandler Day. Uh, didn't work out at Vandy, still. Eventually became a day D2 pick of the, I want to say the Dodgers, but that's just because it feels like they draft every uh, Vandy arm who doesn't go in the first round. Dylan Persinger, who the Indians would come back and get a few years later. Connor Maribel has been a great story in the 25th round. A.J. Graffinino, yes, related to that, Graffinino was a high-round pick. uh, University of Washington, I want to say, recently. Chad Smith, they reportedly had signed, and then they didn't sign him. He'd get redrafted. Garrett Benj would have a great season at Oklahoma State, I want to say. Kobe Vance would go to Alabama and have some strong production. God, I was just looking at him in the team's minor leagues. It must have been either the Marlins or the Cubs because those are like the last ones I looked at recently. Uh, but some, And that's one that I always find interesting because he didn't have a full scholarship to Alabama. Uh, Daniel Sprinkle's another guy that was reported that he signed with the Indians and then did not sign. And there was some talk at the time, here's some inside baseball for you, that the deal was not, basically there was an offered amount of money, uh, but it was not a formal offered amount of money and wakamatsu ended up eating up so much of the money uh that someone like sprinkle there was no longer the money to offer um talking to someone connected with him at the time he uh he what the indians came back with was not what was re- re- would would the thought offer was like there was some miscommunication but you could might still be able to find the articles even from the paper like in his neck of the woods saying that he was signing with the Indians and then he didn't and he went to he was also a, a football player, really interesting talent, really struggled at Auburn for two years, went to Henderson State uh, 2019 was his last year there never got drafted again. Um, I would have loved to have seen him with his size and athleticism in the Indian system. Uh, and it's just one of those things where you're like, ugh. For you know, let's see, 43 innings at Auburn, 71 innings. is for, he, he might have another year of eligibility left, so I'm hoping that would have been in 2020. And he didn't. Well, nobody lost, so he could still be eligible. We'll not close that book on Daniel Sprinkle yet. I hope he has a great year at Henderson State. I hope he still has eligibility. Pitched one inning there in 2019. I'm going to track this story down. Boy, this podcast is running long. Uh, I'm going to end it right here, <laughs> everyone, because I again can just go on forever, and no one wants to hear me rambling about uh, draft picks that did not sign. But now I'm going to spend some time uh, diving into Daniel Sprinkle because uh, give me athletic pitchers for days, and it's also just the the cautionary tale. If you can get a hundred thousand, take the hundred thousand and run. Um, that's that's just me i I always think unless you uh, i get nervous about betting on oneself let's just put it that way i've seen too many things happen in baseball uh and i don't know that full story i can only tell you what was second or third or fourth hand but yeah 2015 draft fascinating draft on many levels uh starting with the brady aiken story and then honestly it's like you go down this list you have guys who played in the minors. I think just about every player here I'd have to go through outside of like Sprinkle in the top 20 odd rounds uh, ended up at least getting into A-ball. So really fascinating draft. I didn't even talk about guys like Anthony Miller who mashed or Todd Isaacs who might have been the fastest guy in the Indians minors for a while. Wow, 32 minutes. Okay, I'm closing it up. I've been Jeff Ellis. You can find me on Twitter at JeffMLBDraft. Sorry for the randomness uh hopefully if you don't like draft stuff you fast forwarded i'm just gonna apologize again for the ramble cast today Um, as always rating and reviewing helps a lot downloading listening everything uh let's get the numbers back up it'd be awesome again to one of these days see lockdown indians break into the top 10 with all those big market cities let's uh let's show them what indians fans uh can do let's let's break into the big market cities currently uh are all over the top 10 and as always go tribe